Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley and this is the podcast segment of the show that's not broadcast on station KALA. Our guest for the 470th show is Emily Van Wardhuizen, Rock Island Carpellis Manuscript Museum Collector Coordinator, who will be talking to us about the Carpellis Manuscript Museum collections. The history buffs for today's show are Brett Bernard and Jay Swords. And Jay, since you've been there, and you can start us off. Emily, mm-hmm. I'm curious. We we are slowly emerging from a COVID lockdown world. And museums certainly suffered as much as anybody under those circumstances because you couldn't have people in your museum. And particularly, you couldn't do a lot of the outreach kinds of things, which are almost the heart and soul of a a lot of museums, and I think for you guys as well. So can you talk a little bit about the kinds of things you're hoping to be able to do with schools or other community groups and things like that to get people into your museum and let them um, learn and interact with this, um, with the idea of a manuscript um, from the past? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, for uh, schools, and this goes for all uh, Carpalist Museums, we have something called the Mini Museum Program. And what that is, is um, participants of the program get to choose a manuscript that they would like featured uh, in the a little display box that we give people. It's a little Lucite box with a little velvet in lining the box. And what happens is you choose a manuscript from the collection, and it can be any manuscript within our collection, not necessarily uh, what is ever on display right now. Um, If you would like a um, document or a letter written from George Washington to his cabinet, we can do that. Uh, we also have uh, babe, uh, copies of Babe Bruce contract and things like that. Um, and we, this is a free program, and I should have said this earlier, but our museums are also free. The whole idea uh, behind the museums are that the public have um, access to knowledge easily, so no fees. Um, but this can be the mini museum program is available for schools or libraries. Um, and interested parties should contact the museum and ask for the uh, mini museum program coordinator uh, or uh, speak to our director, Margie Kane. Okay. As for community outreach, we uh, work often with the Broadway district. Um, sometimes we help host events such as the Easter egg hunt, but uh, we are trying to have more events um, at our museum. We are having uh, what we are calling uh, hands-on Saturdays, where we have an activity that relates to some of the manuscripts in our collection. We had one recently that was making a, a housewife, which is essentially a uh, sewing kit that was used in colonial times. We have uh, upcoming ones uh, where we'll be talking about uh, weaving and using macrame as the activity uh, to kind of demonstrate uh, the, the history of weaving. 
Okay. Uh, we're also trying to get a few uh, musical performances. Uh, we're really trying to branch out and also utilize our space because we have a lot of it. Okay, Brett. So I'm interested as someone who uh, deals with manuscripts on a daily basis. Um, what do you think is being lost with the switch to more electronic documents uh, and fewer hard copies? What do you think that uh, future researchers and historians are going to miss out on? Well, I guess for me, it's kind of the impact. Um, I think there's something to be said about seeing a document from hundreds of years ago in person. It's kind of reminder that someone that this person did exist. I think sometimes when we talk about historical figures, there's a sense of uh, mysticism just because, you know, you have these larger than life stories. So sometimes it's kind of easy to forget that this was a real person. And I think there's something about seeing a person's handwritten words that just kind of hammer home that this was a person, this is what happened, and just kind of makes history come alive. I kind of agree with that because my wife is from Mason City and they have the McNiter uh, letter collection uh, because the McNiters were a very wealthy family up there. That's Meredith Wilson, uh, the great writer, um, and was a, a son. And they have this collection and they have the handwritten letters. And there's one where Oscar Wilde is writing to a friend of his when he's out in Colorado, and uh, he turns the letter upside down to write that he had to cut the letter short because he had a tooth that was killing him, and he was going to see a dentist. And to see that in front of you, and they put it on a table with a, a Lazy Susan so you could spin it, it gives this oh. like living, breathing feel to it. Um, would you agree that much of the collection there has that same kind of sense to it? Absolutely. Um, I like I said, there's something about being in person that brings history to life, but also in terms of just like living, breathing, it's not necessarily just uh, topics from like hundreds of years ago. The collection is very well varied. Um, we have everything from handwritten uh, accounts of the Wright brothers testing their machines to uh, the last will testament of Walt Disney as part of the collection. So if you name it, it we probably have it. Oh, geez. That that sounds amazing. Jay. Emily, I'm just curious, as a manuscript museum, most museums um, become sometimes, thankfully, and sometimes not quite so thankfully, a repository for local history. Um, we've mm -hmm. done a number of things with the German-American Museum over in Davenport, and they're constantly having people donate materials to the museum. I'm wondering, because your museum is, is slightly different, does that also happen for you guys? Do you have donations or people who drop off boxes of whatever and say, you know, this is really interesting, do you want to take a look? And, and if they do, do you actually take them, or do you just sort of gently steer them elsewhere? Uh, that is a good question. Uh, we uh, also do experience that. Um, sometimes it works in our favor. I am working on a really big project right now. We recently had donation of uh, books, and we're talking like over 200, and the subjects are quite varied, um, but some of them are 
kind of really great resources. Like we have a metalworking book from early 1900s, but also includes uh, books like a book for um, Arthur Conan Doyle or even old textbooks from the Augustana College, which is pretty interesting. Uh, but we do sometimes uh, get items that, as you said, do have personal meaning. And it's understandable. It's a very human thing to want to keep things. And, you know, museums are a place that preserve things. Um, but the, the idea with collections is to try your best to stay, you know, provide care for the objects within your collection that stay to the mission of whatever museum you work at. And I think that's kind of a universal thing for museums. Like when I was working for briefly at the uh, Hogberg Museum in, at Blackhawk State Historic Site, I also encountered some people um, having some objects that they were interested in donating. Um, and again, depends where you work, but you do kind of have to gently, um, I hate to say turn away, but uh, for lack of a better word, turn away objects. And again, I understand I'm a sentimental person myself, but um, the idea for behind museums is to protect these objects on behalf of the public. So you want to make sure that your resources are not being split on something that doesn't necessarily fit your mission. Okay. Brett. So if I wanted to take up uh, manuscript collecting uh, as a hobby, how would I start? That is a good question. Well, I can tell you that uh, Dr. Karpliss got his um, manuscripts um, from places like Sotheby's and Christie's. Um, depending on what kind of manuscript you collect, it might be easier or harder to get your hands on them. Um, but one thing I would definitely say is try to preserve them and keep them in like uh, an acid-free boxes or like look up some of the standards museum museums use because the information is out there on the internet. There are uh, great websites uh, like uh, the uh, American Association of Museums and other uh, websites. Uh, the National Park Service actually has these things called conservograms that kind of tell you how to take care of objects. Granted, they're kind of addressed to a uh, more museum audience, if you will, but they can still be very much useful for uh, collectors as well. I think what she's trying to say, it helps if you're also very rich. Um, <laughs> money helps. <laughs> well, that's why I went into a career in education, John. Uh, yes, I could tell. Absolutely. Um, I wish you would quit pulling your Tesla up here at the Ambrose University. We get embarrassed. Um, last question here, Emily, before we let you go. Um, so what do you see as the future for manuscripts? Kind of like what you know Jay was saying before, of course, and Brett, that digital is devouring our world um mm -hmm. do you see that you know is it going to eventually have its own little niche because i mean although digital digital can replicate it's not original uh yeah. and as we know like um from this certain guy that jay kind of likes mr thomas jefferson with monticello they sold all the artifacts that were his because he was mm -hmm. broke so they replenished it with things that were about as close as you could be, and they're not originals. So what mm -hmm. do you see as an original world? I mean, is that something that's dying, or is this going to be more preserved? 
That's a good question. And it's a bit hard to answer because, as you said, things are becoming more digital museums. And on the one hand, uh, I don't want to say you lose, but there is some news about seeing things in person. That said, though, um, not everyone has access to these museums. And having uh, online databases where uh, the public or especially researchers can access these, like, uh, first-hand sources is really important. Um, so I'm a bit torn about this, but also, as I said, I'm an objects kind of focused person. So I would hope that, you know, museums still exist in the future. And I think they will. I just think they might, part of them might look different. So you might see a lot more online databases, but that doesn't mean collections won't, or museums won't uh, start to collect, neglect their collections. And I like I said, I think there's something to be said about seeing it in person. There might be more efforts to try to get to more people, but I think like the brick and mortar museum will always be around because I mean, like knowledge is power and learning from the past is important. Otherwise you're doomed to repeat the future. And I think uh, many people understand that. So I think there will always be an interest in museums one way or another. All right, we would like to thank our guest for the 470th show, Emily Van Wardheisen, Rock Island Carpellis Manuscript Museum Collection Coordinator, for spending time with us to talk to us about the Carpellis Manuscript Museum Collections. The History Bus for today's show are Brett Menard and Jay Swords. You can listen to ROIs. It's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2, 88.5 and 106.1 FM in the Quad City region at 9.30 p.m. You can also listen to the show as it's being broadcast on TuneIn.com. Put KALA HD2 in the search box and look for ROI. Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard at SoundCloud.com. Just put KALA Radio in the search Click on the first icon and scroll down to find ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all your favorite streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. This is ROI recorded at Station KALA, St. Ambrose University.